Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Holding Down the Fort with Alejandro Soto. That is me. I'm starting a podcast. Holy crap. Here it goes. So, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Uh, I've got a couple episodes recorded already that I'm really excited to share with people. The conversations I had, I really enjoyed. Um, and the guests I interviewed enjoyed them as well, or at least so they told me. I hope they weren't lying, uh, <laughs> but I tend to believe that they're truthful individuals. So my first guest is Miss Julia Hindman. She and I met in the uh, ecstatic dance community in Fort Wayne and have been part of the uh, same like sangha we are practicing a, a spiritual path together so we get into a little bit of that in this episode um we mainly talk about uh, her starting out as an artist like how she uh, came to be a creative person and um some of her more tumultuous times uh, growing up and becoming a, a person with a bend towards creativity. So thanks, Julia, for being my first guest. It took us a minute to sit down and make it happen, but I'm really glad that we did. And I'm super thankful that you uh, were my first guest talking to Julia directly now. Uh, thank you to Los Lemons for letting me use their song Slow Down for the intro song. And uh, thank you for listening. So sit back and enjoy this first episode of Holding Down the Fort. I'm looking at it like it's a camera. <laughs> it actually is a camera too, but I'm not uh, putting the effort into recording video yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, welcome to Holding Down the Fort. Bada bing, bada boom. Um, so we have some cookies here. Your friend, tell the wonderful audience about these amazing cookies your friend Annie makes. Yes. While I eat one. Yes, Annie O. I think it's Annie O. Cookies of Love or... Oh, I can't remember her exact business name, but it's Annie O Cookies. If you search that online on Instagram, then you would find it. But she has all vegan and gluten-free cookies. And she was an addict who overcame her addiction and became a cookie dealer. Starting at farmer's markets and then opened up brick and mortar. And now she makes meals, cakes, um, nachos, like savory foods, dessert foods, um... Yeah, and they're just awesome, and you can get them mailed to Fort Wayne, Indiana from Charleston, which is Charleston, South Carolina, which is awesome. So, oh, yeah. 
And they just came in the mail like an hour ago, so <laughs> nice. it was perfect timing. Nice. I'm so lucky. Yeah, that's that's an amazing cookie. What, do you yeah. know what that one on the end is? So this is called the Happy Healer. Oh man. It's mm-hmm. like a healthy cookie, but delicious, mm-hmm. and it has local turmeric grown at the Spade and Clover Farm in Charleston, South Carolina. That's awesome. They grow mm. awesome. They grow like purple and green turmeric. All these turmerics I didn't know existed. What? what? Yeah. I, um, I thought there was only one color of turmeric. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good cookie. And like the turmeric isn't overpowering or mm. anything. Like I kind of expected it to like punch me with turmeric, like a turmeric latte or something. Mm-hmm. Like drinks with turmeric are always super turmeric y. Mm-hmm. But that's subtle. Like that's still a sweet cookie mm-hmm. with turmeric in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. High quality ingredients. Mm-hmm. So you, you did you live in Charleston for a while? Is that right? I did. Cool. When did you do that? I went to college there, so I moved there okay. when I was eighteen. Okay. Oh, cool. And then I went to college and lived there, and spent most of my summers there too, working until like twenty-two or. 21. I think 22 is when I graduated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I moved back here. I had an art degree. Couldn't figure out how to make money doing that. Found out about Thai massage. Um, was immediately drawn to it. Living back here. Met Jill in a crazy way. Mm-hmm. And studied Thai massage with her. And then once I did that, I moved back to Charleston because I was dating somebody there at the time. And I moved back and I lived with him and our friend group. They were all in a band and we all painted. So we would like live paint and they would play music. And there was this venue called the Charleston Poorhouse that I would, would go to shows like six nights out of seven nights a week. Nice. Live paint at a bunch of them. It's a really, if you're ever in Charleston, you should check it out. They have murals everywhere. It's art, music. They have a Sunday brunch farmer's market. It's fabulous. Yeah, and then I just did that, and then that whole situation was very, um, like, volatile at the end. (laughs) Classic rock and roll story. Yeah, oh yeah. Very much so. (laughs) And then um, I left that, and I lived on the beach for my last year there, and I got my LMT, my license to practice massage, and worked on the beach and did massage and it was fun but then I woke up on my 26th birthday and I knew I needed to move back home here to Fort Wayne it was not my plan but it just kind of I don't know it just like really happened and I realized how unhappy I was and like I needed support I needed healing and I knew I had this really big dream or wish deep inside of me that I wouldn't make happen there in Charleston and came back here. Hmm. And when did you come back to Fort Wayne then? What year What year was that then? Um, right when it became 2019. So I was supposed uh, okay. to be here okay. for Christmas on 2018. Uh-huh. But classic, the way I was living then did not happen. <laughs> I woke up on Christmas Day incredibly hungover <laughs> with my U-Haul not packed yet. Oh, it was like the worst Christmas to date. I watched um Bird Box or that that movie with Sandra Bullock where they put the blindfolds on. 
I don't know it. It was a weird Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas, yeah, Christmas 2019. Or that was 2018, because mm-hmm. you, you came in on 20... Yeah, yeah. Not the new year. So I'm trying to figure out like when we met then. Because um, it was... My first like experience of you was just seeing like you on the internet with your pink dreadlocks um, and being like, who's this chick with pink dreadlocks? Um, and then you invited me to an ecstatic dance at Yin Tai and I, I still don't know how I got invited to that. Like, I don't know how I ended up on that list. Because, like, we right. had never met before. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to Yin Tai before. Like, I knew some of those people from, like, my yoga teacher training. Mm. But, like, I, yeah, I was, like, I don't know how I ended up there. But per, maybe the, the divine hand of fate or something. Um because now we're doing working on that stuff together, but what I'm so when was that then that that dance that went down that must have been like right before like the pandemic hit or something mm-hmm. I feel like like that fall like fall of twenty nineteen exactly Does that sound right mm-hmm. okay it was definitely fall of twenty nineteen like October or November mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because I just finished the embodiment course with Jill okay yeah. Yeah. Do you know how I ended up there? No, I don't. You're the only person I didn't know. And I was like, who's this? I was like, it's a dude who's like down to dance with everyone. I was like, this is cool. Okay. I was like, someone must have invited him through yoga stuff or maybe it showed up. No, maybe, maybe Hannah invited me or like mm. Ben, but I ben. feel like, I feel like both of them like were surprised to see me there too. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I don't know how I ended up there, but it was like super fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. And you were doing dances at Prana at the time, were you? We we were doing like chanting circles okay. over there. There there had been like, you know, maybe one night where like nobody showed up or we just like didn't feel like doing a chanting circle. So we just like danced, like danced or like did like a dance chant thing for the last half or something or like talked about it but it never like manifested into reality um at prana it was always chanting circles we were doing there which was also on the full moon like the tulip tree dances so it's like there is that neat um similarity Mm -hmm. It could have been so, since it was, this dance was a chant dance, your heart opened, because yeah. I collaborated with Abel, yeah. and he led the chant at the beginning, and uh. he told his, I think he invited his yoga students, so maybe that's also how. Yeah, maybe it got, got through the grapevine, because yeah. I was doing, I was in the teacher training at that time, mm. so I was like in and around the prana folks more at that time huh. <laughs> so no one knows right. how I got invited to that yeah. <laughs> neither me nor the person who organized it right. interesting that's funny yeah. but I remembered your Facebook name of Manuel yeah. and then yeah. when I did do the next ecstatic dance when it was like the establishment of oh I'm going to do this regularly as Tulip Tree I made sure I was like we need all the genders because we, we had been doing women's dances for so long and I was mm-hmm. really feeling the call to 
you know, expanded out to everyone. And so I was like, we need balance. And even at the first couple dances, several women were like, there are so many dudes who want to dance. This is so cool. Where it feels like safe and appropriate in all the ways. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, cool. Cool. I'm glad that like that like environment is being cultivated for like everybody in, in our town. That's, that's, that's yeah. rad. Huh. <laughs> So you came back to Fort Wayne, like twenty beginning of twenty nineteen for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. and then you were you were here for a year before the pandy hit. Mm-hmm. What did you do in twenty nineteen? Well, I showed up here broke, in incredible amount of debt, <laughs> realizing how fucked essentially I was. I wasn't fully facing my situation. Then I moved back in with my parents, mm-hmm. and I was just wow, um, just realizing how, in, like I couldn't have imagined not moving back at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, I, I also came back to study with Jill because I knew that she, I had been searching for a teacher, like so much. I was traveling around, going to festivals all over Charleston, searching for a teacher. I never found anyone who just that it was a appropriate match or the right match or also like a good teacher I ran into a lot of where how it can go wrong and bad with um, you know manipulative or people who just don't respect your own authority Um, and so I came back and I went and saw Jill and I knew I wanted to do the embodiment course because I'd heard of it but I wasn't organizing it but Josh Wenning at the time his name was um, Josh he was organizing an embodiment group and it was the perfect timing and um, I went out of the country with my family to Denmark to visit my younger sister and um, and she's studying abroad there and I had a total fucking mental breakdown it was right before the embodiment class and I was on our like WhatsApp group, just like having a meltdown in Denmark, <laughs> Copenhagen. <laughs> and Jill said something along the lines of, you're in fucking Europe. Just enjoy it. Like, whoa. I was just creating a lot of problems for myself. But um, yeah, so I, and then I came back from that really realizing how much I needed just a lot of help and guidance and support. And then I was on the verge of either becoming medicated and not to like diminish this diagnosis because I've never been officially diagnosed, but I was about to probably be diagnosed as bipolar. There's a whole spectrum of it. Um, but that was probably where I was headed was to be diagnosed bipolar, anxiety, depression, and get medicated for it. And Jill knew my parents too. It was like, let's just try this embodiment course and see how it goes. And, um, I mean, I'm not medicated for that right now, which is pretty cool. Um, and you're not, like, stark raving mad. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. We're sitting in a room together <laughs> having a perfectly wonderful conversation. Right. Like, yeah, you're not on Zoloft. Yeah. <laughs> and I can... Awesome, you're saving money and... <laughs> and I feel like I'm thriving <laughs> yeah. in a way of, in, in sorts of, compared to how things were... Like, I, I, I saw someone the other day that I don't know that well, but they met me at that time. And we didn't even talk that much, but my first admit, my first thing that came out of my mouth was, I was a completely different person then. Because <laughs> I so was. It's like, 
crazy. I'm still me. I was always me, but there was all this shit in the way of it. And mm. so, and I mean, there's still a lot of shit in the way, let's be fucking honest. But um, I can be more present and mm. feel, mm. feel a lot full-hearted. Neat. Wow. So what was the embodiment course like for you? Uh, kind of a fucking shitstorm the whole time, <laughs> quite honestly. It was six months. It was really cool because there were like a bunch of us, like nine or 11 of us. Of course, some people dropped out, but it was a lot of young people. Ben was in it. Haley was in it. Adivat was in it. Um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was super awesome. And then there were a lot of dudes in it too, which was like not normally how Jill's embodiment courses have been. Um, but, you know, I mean, in that course, I totally lost it a bunch of times. Like, people saw me in my worst, my absolute worst, um, super, super, super worst. Um, and they loved me through it, you know, and Joe loved me through it and um, um, faced, like, most intense murderous rage and just kind of learned how to be present with it and see it. And those same things that showed up during the class still show up today, but I'm able to like uh, usually <laughs> have more space with them um, rather than always just react to them. Of course, sometimes I react, but then it's like a small little like moment and then I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah. this is humbling. Uh, but yeah. Roshi, do you know Roshi Joan, Halifax? She hung out with like the Ram Dass crew. Mm -hmm. um, but she was talking about something like that, like the, uh, the anxiety, the depression, the, the whatever that is the shit. And she said like, as she went through her practice, those, those things didn't go away, like you're saying, but they like, they turned into old dogs. Yeah. It was like, you know, the, the old dog lying under the tree might yelp mm. and make a ruckus, but like, it's, it's an old dog lying under a tree. It's not really going to do anything. And she was able to like see those, like, uh, the, the negative, what have you aspects of her mind is like, oh yeah, that's something that just, it just howls every once in a while. And then it goes back to napping. <laughs> like, like, yes. well, yeah, yeah. And I, I really like like how she described that. And it's like helped me out a lot to like think of that. Like when things come back up that I thought I had worked out already. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, no. instead of like getting all worked up, like, oh, no, I haven't done the work on myself that I need to do. The work I did wasn't good enough. I can like have some compassion for myself and be like, no, it's just an old dog that's howling right now. Mm -hmm. Pat it on the head and it'll go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's definitely um, a uh, relatable or useful like metaphor way mm -hmm. to talk about it. Yeah, Roshi Joan is super cool. Yeah, I love that lady. So then, okay, so we've gotten into a lot of the the last, what's that, five years? Or from when you moved to Charleston. Yeah, yeah. That's when you started art school. Art school. Art school. Uh, <laughs> so how'd you end up in art school? Like, 
were have you always been like an artistic person where you like the kid drawing amazing things at four or like are you one of the people that like you had to kind of like persevere through it or a little bit of both a little bit of both really like uh so so when I was five my mom got me one of those paint sets and we would paint together and she also had this like dormant art ability that she not also but she had this desire to do art and she didn't go to art school and when we did art together she realized how much she loved it and she was going through her own mental health thing at the time and um it was something that was really useful for her um and and i would make art with her too and i i think yeah, I, I, I wish she's a mom, so right, she like kept that piece of art that I made and was like, oh, look how great it is, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, in school, I always felt in the art class, I felt like I had a certain ability or like it came easy to me. And I love drawing like faces and um, I won some awards in like middle and high school a bit. Um, but I also had like low self-esteem in a big way. So that part of myself, I felt shameful about too. I would win awards. I would throw the award away. I didn't want to be the art kid. I wanted to be the cool sporty kid. Uh. So I like shoved that <laughs> art part of myself down deep because in middle school I learned it wasn't cool. And yeah, I know. So tragic. So untrue. I know, it's dude. So cool. This girl I looked up to that I was like this pretty girl in a grade above me. Like they wanted me to join marching band so bad too. So uh, I played instruments. I played drums and piano. And I was really good at the marimba and the xylophone. And they really wanted me to play that in marching band. But this girl that I just looked up to just because she was pretty and popular. She was like, don't do that. That's social suicide. Don't do it like play volleyball and I was like okay yes uh -huh. like I'll play volleyball and so um you know that was unfortunate but you know it's a part of my story yeah, which I don't yeah. regret because it's why I do what I do now um and and that's why like when I went to college like I could have gone on a volleyball scholarship but I was like done mm. doing the volleyball I wanted to explore this art side of myself cool um yeah nice that was cool nice yeah and I mean, with the parts work we were talking about yesterday, the first time I did parts work with Jill, one of the parts that showed up was this part in middle school that I shoved so fucking deep under the rug and just said, fuck you, you're not like allowed to be here. And that was one of the parts I got to work with and like mm. open up and it was huge mm. coming into that like allowing expression and like mm -hmm. doing that which is why i love have these workshops i want to do of helping people express themselves and create art and sound and dance because mm. um now i can do it when i was doing it in charleston when i was live painting with the bands and everything it was me finally letting this thing out and flow that i'd mm. always wanted to be out and flow and it was one of those like 12 year old Julia would be so proud of me right now moments. <laughs> Aren't those great that like you could like bring up younger you in your mind and be like, I'm doing it. Young me, I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are those are really nice moments. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Like, huh, that that you had to like find your way like through the weeds to get to your creativity 
Um, huh. Did that, like, like, that point in, like, middle school when, when you're going through that, was it, like, did you feel like, oh... Like, did you know that you really wanted to be doing the art, creative, expressive thing? And, like, and so you bottled that part down to try and be cool? 1,000%. I mean, I came into sixth grade so innocent and so excited for life. And um, I was in band and choir. And then I, st- I thought everyone would want to do band and choir. And then you're in band and choir and all the cool kids don't do band and choir. And I would tell people, my parents make me do band and art, even though secretly I wanted to. Um, and I was in plays and musicals and I would do the talent show and I had all these great ideas. I was like, I'm going to do a drum set solo. You guys are going to like blare these colorful lights at these moments. Of course it didn't happen like that, but I had this huge vision for production and, um, and, and like singing. I was in this musical where I did this like Elvis impersonation singing thing. I just had no awareness how that would be taken as like an 11 year old female and um, through doing that, I started learning how people were reacting to me. And I was like, oh, like this isn't, like to me it was normal. And then I started realizing like for people this isn't normal. And there were like some adults who were like my cheerleaders, like the principal and stuff. They're like, you're amazing. Like I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to be an actress. Like, um, and then I started realizing my singing ability wasn't that great. Um, and then I started just seeing how people treated people who were in band and choir and it just, my low self-esteem mm-hmm. and, and, and then also it was like how my parents talked about themselves too. Like now they've also come full circle with healing. Like my dad was in that musical or that, yeah, yeah that musical yeah. a month ago, which was huge. It was him coming back to the stage after 40 years and my mom had an art show last weekend and she's like really stepping into her artist. They had low self-esteem around oh. it too. And so it was kind of this like trickling down where my dad was like, yeah, I was in band, but I was a band fag and this whole thing. So I was like, well, I don't want to be like that because how you're talking about yourself. And so it was just this self-deprecating thing that just, yeah, by the time seventh grade came around, I I still had eighth graders above me, like AJ Lorenzini was in that grade and a couple other people. We were in plays and musicals and they were so good and so confident that I would feed off of that when I had somebody there who was confident in doing it, then I would feed off of that and do the thing. But then the eighth graders left and I was an eighth grader and there was a new musical lady, a new play lady. And like, I wasn't, I wasn't able to feel confident in letting it through. And she was told me I was like horrible too. And oh, and I was at like some, I did parts work around this part too with Joe. I was dancing at some dance and I was just like dancing, having the hell, like such a good time. And some eighth grader when I was in sixth grade came up to me and made fun of me because my butt showed in my skirt or something. It was the outfit my grandma gave me. And it was just all these like little things that kept building up that by the time I was in eighth grade, um, I started running track and I like lost weight and I got to wear Abercrombie clothes finally. And like I felt accepted being this kind of person. And I learned like, okay if I do it like this, then I'm accepted and I'm celebrated by the people that I want to. Even though they don't actually like me, they just like who I'm being in this moment. Um, And so, that, yeah. And then in in like freshman year, then I tried to like 
be a model and like go to this convention in Florida and like do this <laughs> modeling thing and do this acting thing and I went on fr- on stage in front of hundreds of people and went to act out this commercial thing and I froze and I did terrible and I was like I haven't done that again since then <laughs> <laughs> and I went to do all these modeling things and because people would be like oh you're tall and pretty and so do this and and then I went to do that and they're all like you know um models are very thin and have this certain look and so I didn't fit that kind of look and I also realized the people not all people who do this but the people who were doing it were very like self there was a certain amount of self-esteem that of course I like I've said a couple times I didn't have but also this like self-obsessionness of like I don't know it just didn't feel like my authentic expression that um I didn't want to care about how I looked all the time in this way. It felt so vapid and not like valuable. I wanted to like have fun and like feel good with people, not necessarily look this hmm. way. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think that when you're growing, this is like a total thing, random thing, but I think like the whole thing of like women growing up, should be told that they are, you know, they're brave, they're intelligent, they're strong, all these things, not necessarily their value is their beauty. It can really fuck with your head. Um, Because that is very much how my grandparents would talk about it. And the moment I cut my dreads off, my grandparents were like, you're finally pretty again. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I have so much more to offer than oh, that. And man. it's like not even fucking about that. It's yeah. like, it's so stupid. Hmm. It is um, motherfucking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> we get so um, yeah. attached to our physical bodies. Yeah, yeah. My grandpa offered me $100 to cut my long hair when I was in high school. <laughs> I think I just, I would have rebellion and declined. <laughs> like, you want me to? Fuck no. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which isn't to say that I have any idea what the experience of like women is like, because like that pressure of like appearance is definitely, definitely like more projected onto like girls and women in our culture than it is on like men. Um, <laughs> a man looks like a girl. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Huh. Huh. Well, that's that's interesting. I've like wondered about actually that very experience of like what it's like to be a girl going through middle school. Um, because I'm a boy who went through middle school and like, I mean it. It wasn't awful. It wasn't great. Like I have the like have baggage from that, some of which I've gotten rid of, some I'm probably still holding on to, I'm sure, um, for another day. And so, like, to hear about, like, how, like, really similar, like, there are similarities, like, big similarities between, like, your experience and, like, my experience at that, like, age, that, like, age period. Um, And, like, even more similarity between, like, my like interpretation and like my mindset around like just like yeah like self-esteem stuff like yeah just being less likely to like fall go full out um 
and I still got to do like artistic stuff like I did theater through high school and like was in a band not the band I wasn't in the high school band um, I never turned the paperwork in in fourth grade so I figured yeah. I just missed my chance <laughs> to join <laughs> no one came around in fifth grade and asked alright does anyone want to join now yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Huh, so so that that's that's cool. Do you so like when you were doing that, like live painting, was that like uh, like try oh like were you working through those like aspects of yourself that were like those that were like that part of you that didn't believe in yourself? Were you like combating with that or like? burning it off or some or something or is like and I feel like this is this is probably true that it's like a, an ongoing process or do you feel like you've like put that to bed like put that to rest in the realm of feeling confident enough to just be in my full expression now I definitely feel like I've gotten to a certain point with that with even performing with Pyroscope. I feel totally confident standing in front of a group of 200 people and looking at them all in the eye and smiling and like even messing up and being like, whoop, you know, not caring at all about it. And even if I saw anyone from my past, I would be totally okay with it now. Um, in the time when I was doing it in Charleston, I was still working through it a bit and I was around people that, you know, never knew me before. All they knew was this version of Julia. And so that made it easy to, um, and when I came back to Charleston is when I went full with the, the painting. And I think doing this parts work stuff I did, I also did like some soul, soul retrieval work with a shaman. I think that helped and had some really powerful meditations, some powerful psychedelic trips, and they all kind of like added up together to point me back towards this direction. Um, yeah, because cause after my freshman year, my parents had me switch schools, and I graduated from Canterbury, and when I went into Canterbury, I got to go in fresh, with nobody knowing my, like, my dorky or whatever history, so I went in, and nobody I went to school with even knew I made art at all, I just created this other persona, and then I went in college, became like a stoner, hippie chick with my friends, and... At the, I had one friend who was a big cheerleader of mine who convinced me to start painting, doing public art. Um, and it connected me with the people when I moved back who were able to, where, where I was doing the live painting. And, and the live painting too was like for my ADHD and um, like not procrastination, non-focusing self. If you show up with an easel and paint, and there's music playing, you have to paint. Like, there's no other option besides yeah. you got to do it now. So it was a great way for, or when I was face painting too, like a person sitting in front of you and they're expecting you to do something. So you're going to do it. Yeah. It's less easy to get distracted. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Or like to deliberate on it and like stand in front of the canvas and be like, okay, where's that brush stroke need to be for the like mm -hmm. I, I can do that like and I've also called it like analysis paralysis yeah like yeah and if you're in a room and like 
shows going. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good way of like it's almost almost exposure therapy mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But but I mean honestly on my end I was drinking too and sometimes doing drugs, <laughs> and so of course that makes it in the moment easier to do it. But are you really like? Being with it Mm -hmm. and processing it, Mm -hmm. probably not. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, that was a big reason why I came back too, is Mm I was avoiding things within myself and using drugs to do that in public situations. Yeah, good on you for nipping that in the bud. That's a recipe for disaster. (laughs) (laughs) At the very least, social suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my gosh, yes. So vapid. Running on ego, too. It's fucking gross, dude. Uh huh. Yeah. It's the reality of my mind when I came back. I'm gonna have another cookie wedge. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This okay, is the, so the cookie monster of abundance. Oh, oh, it's like blue. Yeah, like oh. the cookie monster. Oh right. my god. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Oh my. Nuts, mm-hmm. granola. Yeah, there's granola in the cookie. There's like grains. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. This is too delightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is exactly right. <laughs> so, let's talk about the ecstatic dances for a bit. Mm-hmm. What, what, like, what was your first experience of an ecstatic dance then? Yeah. So I'd heard about it for a year. I knew I wanted to go. I had friends who were going that were in my flow troop when I was in a fire troop in Charleston. Then I got out of that shitty relationship. And well, I wasn't, like, wasn't on the way out. I was trying to heal. We were, I was hoping he was healing on his own, too more one-sided situation but like still in the relationship or had you guys like there was space we were still together but we weren't living together anymore Mm -hmm. because i was i wanted to heal and i was like let's move into let's like get our own place away from these people who do cocaine six nights out of the week let's move into a house where that's not happening (laughs) and he didn't want to move in he was scared of commitment in that way and I was like okay well I'm going to do this because I love myself this much and I'm going to take care of myself and you do that too and we can figure our shit out and then we can like get back together closely um and during that time of spaciousness he just kept drifting 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 slept with my best friend all that fun shit um But so during that time, I went to a festival called Fractal Beach, where I led a Lucy Deton workshop, which was the Thai yoga part of Thai massage. And while I was there, this specific festival totally changed my life because I met all these different amazing people. Um, 
And while I was dancing there, I had this experience where I realized how much shame I had in my body. And I was shaking my body, I was just shaking, shaking my hips, everything. It was like the shame was just coming out of my body, just And after that festival, I was like, okay, I have to go to the next ecstatic dance. And so I went to an ecstatic dance quickly after that. And by the end of the ecstatic dance, I was just having such an experience. It was so deep in my experience, working through my thoughts. And <clears throat> I had this like moment of self like love in a way where I recognized my, my unique, my unique um, congregation of aggregates, let's call it. <laughs> and um, my first word was wow. And my siblings, their first words were uh, like other things like ball, corn, cookie. And I felt like, I felt like grateful or in like love with myself with that aspect of myself. And just, I felt, wow, I was like, wow, like, just wow, this is really cool. <laughs> and I like, you know, at the end of the dance, I shared that experience with everyone. I was crying and I was like, how did it take me so long to come here? I'm hooked. Like, and I didn't miss an ecstatic dance after that. I I got to become an ecstatic dance DJ for a little bit. I was DJ healing juju. I wore this, like, <laughs> fur hat with horns. Literally, I have it in a closet now, but it's literally the hat that when they stormed the Capitol with oh, the guy with the, the horn. I have, I have a hat like that. Yes, I wore it. Yes, yes. And I wore it on my first ecstatic dance I DJed. <laughs> Oh no. my god. That's incredible. <laughs> I can show you him before you go. I wanna see oh that. Oh my god. I definitely wanna see that. <laughs> oh gosh. It was nice. kinda cringy in the sense of like I was still being this like I'm healing juju and I made this playlist for all of you to evolve and ascend. Oh like, oh my god. <laughs> Kind of like spiritual materialism. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thoroughly soaked in ego. But like somehow I had no idea. That's Jesus. funny. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like still a, a scene, a pretty lively dance scene in, well, in Asheville at mm -hmm. least. Charleston. Um, are, are those cities close by? Four hours. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. I have a friend that lives in Asheville, um, so I've like been in that neck of the woods. Um, and isn't the the gal cat that does the DJ Paristas? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I follow her and have like checked out a couple of her mixes and like yeah, yeah she's doing really cool stuff yeah. down there. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting that they're like. Oh, like little ecstatic dance communities. It's like, a, I don't know, there's like a web or something. Oh. Ecstatic dancing. For sure. Around. It seems like what I'm seeing online is, well, so like I know Charleston, like if you're in Charleston, you want to go to the mountains, you go to Asheville. If you're in Asheville and you want to go to the beach, you go to Charleston. There's like this back and mm -hmm. forth connection a lot. Okay. And, um... And I know it seems like with Charleston's dance, they're collaborating with a lot of different DJs from other ecstatic dances, neighboring ecstatic dances. Um, and so I'm sure that's just kind of helpful creating that web, like you're saying, mm -hmm. strengthening the web and um, expanding out connections and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So then like when you come 
back to Fort Wayne, it was like not even a question that you were gonna make ecstatic dances happen here, you well, think, or um, did you have to like work it, work it out? Well, I came back and I was doing the embodied dances with Sid and Steve. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those were great. Um, I mean, I had a dance, I feel like one of the last embodied dances I went to was November of 2019 when um, Brett and I were hanging out and I had like hung out with him and I went to the dance afterwards and I, at the end of the dance, I kind of have moving experiences and I love to share with people. So at the end I was like crying being like, I'm in love with this person. I'm so scared to admit that I'm in love with them because I could get hurt, but I, I love this person. I do. And so it was, um, so they, they were awesome. I loved the embodied dances. They were great. But there was this aspect that I loved about a static dance. And near the last couple months there, I, you know, I let Sid know. I was like, hey, like, I love the embodied dances. I'm not going to stop going to them. But I really miss a static dance. Like, are you guys going to feel like I'm, like, competing or stepping on your turf if I host an ecstatic dance? And Sid's like, no. Like, more dance, the better. She was actually the person who helped, like, she was the greeter for that ecstatic dance where we met. Um, and so, yeah, it, um, so the embodied dance, so it was, it was just out of, like, this desire I had. Like, there was something that it wasn't touching, the embodied dance wasn't touching, and I wanted a static dance to, um, fully have that experience and that was the red tents too they were really born out of selfish want I was like I want this nobody's doing it okay I'll make it happen cool cool yeah uh, you're good at that like just seeing what doesn't exist mm -hmm. and like just making it a reality um, I think and not everybody can do that so like it may be out of selfishness from your perspective, but like other people don't have that kind of selfishness that they could like make things happen that then are like shared with other people. It's like, a, mm -hmm. like I've heard the Dalai Lama talking about this lately. It's like, a, like wise selfishness or something. Mm -hmm. There's like, like a, a, a form of like, selfishness of like watching out for yourself that like is necessary and I think it's in line with the like you have to fill your own cup up before you can fill someone else's mm -hmm. kind of idea and it's like you know don't mm -hmm. keep doing things and doing things for others and for others so that you run yourself ragged and then you have to have someone else drag you into the hospital because you're dehydrated from <laughs> helping so many people and so yes. like there's there's and that's something i'm i'm trying to i'm like i don't know dancing or tiptoeing with right now of like how do i like do things that are good for me and that like I want and I need in a way that isn't like ego gratifying or like just for me like like yeah that that yeah like wise selfishness I I'm, I'm wrapping my head around that idea but I think you inadvertently I mean like naturally have a knack for that or just like have that character trait inherently or, or, or just like you're like the level, like how selfishness appears in other people and like just doesn't do that. 
in you. Like, I don't know. And maybe it does, but like, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that good, Julia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm a narcissist, <laughs> by the way, recovering. <laughs> there are many Julias that I do not know, <laughs> many chapters that I have not read. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I've definitely always liked to make things happen though like I mean even mm-hmm. as a kid we would play games where we would make up pretend festivals and like do different activities and pieces of it so and I've always loved to throw parties and events like those I threw like um, tea parties when I was a little kid and purple parties and all this stuff and it was it, th- th- those have been definitely things that I've um, been drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can be a, a diva. I can be a brat. <laughs> like it can be all those things. Yeah, just to. But but you know too. I mean, I feel like if you follow your heart, you can't go wrong. Like even all these things that I did that were like, oh my god, I you know like yeah. When I said the first one I DJed, I was like you know ego driven or whatever. You know, but my my intentions and my heart were aiming in the right direction and it led me to where I am now. So I don't think I did anything wrong. Like I did some shit that I can laugh at now, thankfully, because I don't take myself so seriously anymore. Um, But it's not like it was any of it was wrong. Like even when I moved back to Charleston, I was following the whole time I was just following my heart. And then one day I woke up and my heart was like, move back to Fort Wayne. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay. You know, so I think if you just follow that, you can't be led astray and just know that you're probably going to make mistakes, not do it perfectly. And at first when you do it, it's going to be way worse than 10 years down the road from there. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's uh, a fellow who put out an idea. It was like on how we make our aims in life and like, he described it kind of like like we're circling in on something like you set your aim into the future and then you project yourself towards that aim and like our our like aim isn't perfect so you land like a little bit away from where you were trying to get to and then you reevaluate and readjust and then you like fire yourself again toward like what you think is straight at your aim and then you land a little to the side and like life is this like constant process of like getting closer and getting closer like trying to get there not quite getting there reorienting trying to get there not quite getting there reorienting and like i think that's maybe like a visual way of describing like just trying to like circle into like the the heart of human experience mm-hmm. yeah definitely i like that yeah I like that a lot. But um, I mean, like, that big aim is big reason I'm back. What my heart is hoping to aim towards is creating a space that teenage me could have used mm-hmm. growing up here. Mm-hmm. So something that is in its full creative embodiment expression, um, and it has this, like, really lively, exciting... I don't want to use the word cool, but like this element to it that's like, whoa, this isn't what I'm normally exposed to in Fort Wayne. This is what's happening in other big places in the world. So just exciting events, um, 
like exciting dance events and music events and like um, colorful lights and just like captivating in that way um, where a space that is adults feel very comfortable and they feel like they can very much be an adult but very much too kids and teens feel welcome and there's not like alcohol um, which I'm not against alcohol I drink alcohol sometimes but um, like what I found with at the poorhouse is um, what I loved and what I want to take into whatever kind of space or building or business grows from um, all the work that we're all doing um, is like I loved the music, I loved the art, I loved the community and that whole expression. There were issues, not for everyone, but of people drinking and drugs and self-medicating um, mental health with that and then you know um, taking your own life was really common um, every year someone or multiple people would um, die and it was just horrible that was part of me leaving I'm like so many times that I haven't had this conversation in a while but especially when I was first moved first couple of years I moved back every like I'd be I was so grateful I moved back because I could have ended up, you know, like one of those people taking my own life if I hadn't come into a space of healing and support. One hundred percent. Yeah, glad you found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. S- super good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of those old old dogs. Yeah. honestly, yeah. but now we just it's just a little dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe sometimes a chihuahua that nips at your ankles, but (laughs) (laughs) swaddle away, (laughs) throw a a chicken bone. Go occupy yourself with that. (laughs) Yeah, heck yeah. Well, uh, I think that feels pretty good. Yeah, I think that was awesome. Julia, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm online. My website is H-A-C. Um, and that's pretty much the handle for everything. That's the website, that's the Instagram, that's the the Facebook, that's the TikTok. Nice, go. Uh, got the TikTok, yeah, oh, where God. that's, that's a touch and go. <laughs> Instagram is my main place. And then you can sign up for email newsletters through my website or through the bio on my Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, I have... Um, a treatment room in um, Fort Wayne and um, then we do pop-up events at different places around Fort Wayne, Indiana and um, right because this is this is um, he- what is heading in the fort? Holding down the fort. Holding down, Holding the, down fort. the fort. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully a, a more established brick and mortar soon but we'll see how that goes. Sweet, sweet. And uh, what, any events coming up? What you got on the calendar? We have an ecstatic dance on April 9th. Ooh, yeah. yeah this, this will hopefully come out before then. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to shoot to get it out by, I want it out on April 1st. Nice. The April Fool's Day to have yeah. my first episode go up would be pretty cool. Cool, <laughs> yes, yeah. Right in the vibe. Yeah. So, yeah, April 9th. And that's it, Unify, for anybody listening, Unified Ballroom. Check out the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good place to go. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks Julia. Yeah, this yeah. this uh, it was a long time coming. 
I think I asked you, asked you to do this before New Year's. Is that yeah, right? before you went to Colombia. <laughs> before you went to Colombia. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, good on us for making the thing happen. That I, I had a brunch with some friends on Sunday, and we like set intentions for spring and summer. Um, and my intention was like to see things to completion and to like get to the end of processes. Um, and so, yay, this is, this is a heading in the right direction. Yay. Now I, now I just got to do the, the boring stuff. No, it's all, it's, the it's all fun. I actually enjoy <laughs> the editing, like the technical, like the, yeah, the editing and stuff is fun, but now mm-hmm. all the, uh, the getting it onto the internet. I, oh, I, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but I'll figure we'll it out. We'll promote it on the yeah. Tool of Tree Instagram. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Heck yeah, heck yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah. That's a wrap. You're welcome. Cool. <laughs> well, thank you, Julia, for joining me for this first episode of the podcast. Uh, you can check out all her social media links in the podcast description. Uh, if you're ever in Fort Wayne or if she's ever near you, I highly recommend getting body work from her. Uh, she like did some amazing work on my shoulder a few weeks back. Like it was like two weeks. My shoulder was locked up and like after an hour of her working on it, it is like totally fine still to this moment. So she is a magician and you would be lucky to get some time with her uh, and come to an ecstatic dance. They happen every Sunday closest to the full moon here in Fort Wayne. So if you're around, come join us. It's always a lot of fun. And thank you for listening. And I hope you have a good week and enjoy this song by Los Lemons. This is Slow Down. Slow Down.